VoiceAmerica.com. And welcome to Radio by George with your host, NFL superstar, Eddie George. For the next hour, Eddie and his guests will enlighten, empower, and entertain you. Now here's the man of the hour, Eddie George. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to another edition of Radio by George. I'm your host, Eddie George, and today I'm coming to you live. From Sin City, Las Vegas, I'm at the ICSC convention, that is the International Convention for of, uh, super, of Shopping Centers, and uh, I'm here basically to uh, do my thing as far as a developer and to learn from some of the best, and you would not believe who's all here this week. It's a huge event. Everybody's cutting deals, learning about the business, Everybody in the, in the retail shopping industry is here. You got people from Starbuck, um, Westfield, and, and also out of Columbus, Ohio, Continental Realties. And a good friend of mine, who I'm going to introduce to you next, he is an entrepreneur. He is a great man, great friend. He is the chairman of Continental Realties, a huge fan of Ohio State. And also, for some strange reason, he loves the Pittsburgh Steelers. I can't turn him into a, a Titan fan, but I would like to introduce you to Frank Cass. Frank, are you there? I am. How are you, Eddie? Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule. I know you're out on the floor cutting deals and everything, so I thank you for coming on the show. Uh, pleasure. Look forward to it. Yeah, man. Well, uh, you know, just kind of talk to us about you and, and how you got started in the, the real estate business, because it's one that I know you can lose your behind on if you're not careful in the certain deals that you're in. And, and basically, how did you get started in, in, in the real estate business? Um, we had a, a office furniture uh, company um, in Columbus, Ohio, that, that uh, had probably two, 3,000 active accounts. And as the city was growing and as the businesses were growing, um, and we were doing the uh, planning and, and design and furnishing of the inside of buildings, um, I kind of got interested in uh, the outside of the building. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as we realized that some of our bigger clients were relocating and, and uh, uh, building a new product or having people build new product for them, um, I decided it was time that I broadened my uh, interest. That was over 30 years ago at this point, and, and began to uh, um, look for land for uh, specific clients and, and uh, developed an expertise in, in uh, uh, building their, their buildings. So mm-hmm. we started actually in the office portion of the development business. Then uh, um, in the 80s, segued, um, in the 1980s, segued into retail mm-hmm. uh, real estate, shopping center business. Um, and then the late 80s, early 90s, became a multifamily developer as well. Mm-hmm. So we actually uh, um, were, were in office, uh, retail and multifamily for a while, um, and, and that's kind of how we we got into. It. Mm-hmm. E- everyone takes different courses and steps uh, right. uh, in in terms of how they get from from here to there. But uh, because we were a private company and and wanted to remain a private company, 
um, we needed to, again, look at various ways to fund our operations. So we decided early in the process to be our own brokerage and property management company, uh, gave us additional control, and to be our own construction company. Yeah, so, no, Frank, was it always your passion to, to be in the real estate business, or was it something that you just kind of stumbled upon and said, hey, this is a, a good way to make money? Um, probably a little of both, Eddie. When I was at Ohio State, uh, 1961 to 1965, mm-hmm. um, I was in the business school, and I majored in uh, real estate and finance. Got an interest uh, for the business from that, um, and uh, then, but had this family office supply and furniture business that I went into in 1965, um, but always had in mind this this concept of the entrepreneurship of, of developing and building a, a real estate. And so as the furniture business led me to the real estate business, I had a little bit of background in it from a standpoint of my study. So mm-hmm. the numbers, the finances of real estate, um, those things um, were, were uh, a second nature to me. Um, the actual process of the deal the entrepreneurial aspect of the real estate business um, really was nothing they teach in school. Right. So it was more, it was the numbers, the formation, you know, the, 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 the uh, uh, mortgaging, the, the, uh, those, all those things. But never, never how to go out and sell somebody on why to deal with you mm-hmm. instead of someone else. Okay. So your first deal, what was your first deal like? How did you feel going into it and, and what was your first deal? My first one was uh, we needed new buildings ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so uh, um, my first deal, I had us for a tenant, um, so I couldn't complain too much on, on either side of the table and learned what it took to, to get the property zoned, to get it built, um, to satisfy the needs of the tenant. And, of course, we, we were wearing two hats at that time, so, mm-hmm. so it, the, you know, um, I would talk to our own people about what they needed and, and produce that in the buildings that we built for them. Um, it was a great, great way to get the experience of working for a tenant but still not being two arms length that um, I was at risk. Mm. So uh, um, I kind of kind of snuck into it with that. And then after that, um, I was equipped, I thought, to go out and, and uh, uh, do deals with third parties that, that uh, in fact, we were the developer and the third party was the tenant. So it kind of segued into it from mm-hmm. building for ourselves. So you just you minimize your risk going into it. The first time. The yep. first time. And when was the first time that you were the main developer? You know, you, you signed on the notes. You were out there, and you, you, know, you were pretty much holding your breath on whether the deal would be successful or not. And well, actually, as a byproduct of building one of the two buildings we built for ourselves, we had additional land, and because of a, a quirk in the zoning, um, there was a, uh, a deed restriction that the prop part of the property had to be developed as a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So where we built our new headquarters for the office furniture business, our showroom building, we had to build a restaurant along with it for a third party, um, which we did. So we had to go out, secure the third party, get the financing done, uh, you know, satisfy the restaurant's needs, work on all the parking and zoning requirements. Um, and that was my first deal, ended up being part and parcel of, of, of a deal we did for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the, the, that was a restaurant deal. And then additionally, we had some additional land behind our warehouse building and ended up building an auto parts warehouse there for a third-party tenant as well. So the, both of the first two deals 
were parts of pieces of land adjacent to facilities that our tenant uh, company um, occupied. And obviously, you've had your 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 failures as well in the real estate business. And and tell tell talk to us how was what was that what did that feel like? What was that like? Um, nauseating. Uh, yeah, bad. <laughs> um, you have to do a lot of good deals uh, to pay for um, a, a real bad deal. Yeah. Um, when we first got started in retail, and was we, we started in small towns in Ohio and West Virginia, um, working for one food wholesaler, getting some retail outlets for them, and then when we brought our retailing back to Columbus in the mid late eighties, um, and and uh, into Ohio. Uh, Columbus and Dayton. We built two fairly large centers, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, they both were going up just at about the time that the tax laws were changing in 1987, 86, 87, 88. Mm-hmm. Um, and the economy was getting weaker, um, and the the those two retail centers uh, never really um, became um, what we thought they were going to. And what mm-hmm. happened to those instances is. We were in two pretty fancy communities, actually, at the time, um, and, and uh, near Centerville and Dayton and uh, Dublin and, and, and near in Columbus. And uh, in both instances, those communities required very sophisticated uh, buildings with lots of landscaping, lots of height, uh, lots of cost. And the retail climate was getting weaker. And so while we were building more expensive product with a high degree of, of, of uh, 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 finishes, mm-hmm. uh, the, the uh, tenants were looking to pay less rent, um, and the combination of higher costs and lower rent made those two projects never financially feasible. Mm-hmm. And so what happens in our business is that you pay for the bad ones with the profit from the, the good ones. So that was my first bad experience in, in uh, uh, retailing. Now, we've done an awful lot of retail centers, and we learned a lot from those experiences. Um, but today, uh, um, we are uh, more equipped to deal with the, the uh, relationship between the cost of the property and the uh, the rent you have to get. Mm-hmm. Now, we're speaking with uh, Frank Cass uh, out of Columbus, Ohio, chairman of Continental Realties. And if you have any questions, if you'd like to chime in on the conversation, please call in 866-472-5788. Now, now Frank, tell us real quick, how do you determine what is a great deal? When you look at it, is it the numbers, is it the location, or is it the combination of everything? Um, well, that, that probably the, the combination leads me in probably the right, you know, train of thought. Um, let's talk. Let's focus on retail since we're here at the shopping center convention right. now. Um, of all the forms of retail in in the marketplace, of all the forms of real estate in the marketplace, retail real estate. Um, offers the greatest opportunities um, because the retail tenant for the right demographic and location will bid up the price of that piece of real estate. Mm-hmm. Like so, give us an example of that. Would like, for instance, like tell us one of your projects that you're currently working on now. Okay. Well, my best example of that would be year, some years back at '99 when I was building some power centers mm-hmm. in, in in several different cities. Uh, Okay, that's just the music. We're going to go to a break real quick, but finish your thought, and we'll, we'll come back and we'll let you finish that. Your, your, okay, your, your all right, okay. Frank? Well, okay, we'll, we'll do, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back in a couple minutes and let you finish out your story, and uh, we'll talk with Frank Cash in a minute, y'all. Okay. 
From our home to your speakers, voiceamerica.com. The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas broadcasts each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Kerry Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. Yes, we're back with Frank Cass, chairman of Continental Real Estate Company, a great man, great mentor. And we were just briefly talking about, Frank, um, some of the projects that you're working on and just how you would uh, create uh, some of the projects that you've, uh, you've already made. So you were finish up your thought in the last yeah. segment. Yeah, we, what we were talking about there was... was uh, um, how to determine, you know, what to put where and how it differs from community to community um, in terms of the rents and the demographics and the type of, of user. Mentioning that in 1989, 1999, uh, I was building some uh, power centers and three that come to mind, one in Pittsburgh, one in Columbus, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and one outside of Washington, D.C. in Lowesdale, uh, Virginia. We had all the same tenants there. Mm-hmm. They were big boxes. Uh, uh, I mean, one out of Best Buy and one out of Circuit City, but I think they all had DSW, uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, and Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the demographic in the the, the different communities, um, the demographic meaning the density within a trade area of five miles mm-hmm. and the median income within that trade area, there was a great disparity in what the tenant would pay in rent. Mm-hmm. The Virginia site outside Washington, D.C. on I-95 had a very high median income and was very, very dense. And the tenant in that market in 1999 was willing to pay 
$19 a square foot to be there. Mm-hmm. The, the Pittsburgh site was a much lower uh, uh, demographic. The median income was much lower. A big part of it were old uh, uh, steel plant workers um, that had been uh, on, on, in that area. Um, and, and you had to stretch a little to get the right demographic by making the people cross the river to come to your site. Um, in that area, the tenants were only willing to pay about $10 a foot. Mm-hmm. And in, in Columbus, uh, it was kind of in between those two markets from a standpoint of the median income and the density. Uh, and it was a new site just starting to be developed, a very large 600-acre site. And this site represented about 90 acres of that. It was a really good power center. The tenants were in the 12 to $13 range. So mm-hmm. demographic in retail becomes very, very important. Um, and the retailer determines where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, in office, the office tenant will move most anywhere mm-hmm. where they can get free parking, tax abatement, and an access to an employment base. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they'd like to be near freeways unless they're in the downtown area, near freeways so that the access is good, people can get in and out, and they'd like to be near uh, housing, but they don't really care. So when a New Jersey company looks to relocate Nashville or Columbus or Indianapolis, mm-hmm. they don't know the city very well, so they deal with a realtor, and the realtor shows them the pockets of area where, let's say, they're call centers or let's say they're, they're, they're fulfillment centers, whatever they are, they're going to go with where the demographic of, of, of the, the people living near there would complement what they were doing. Right. But they don't have a set thing that says, I have to be north, I have to be east. You know, it doesn't make much difference. They want to go where the municipality will give them the best deal, the developer will give them a good deal, and that's where they'll locate. And they'll move their 1,000 people there or hire a 1,000 people. Mm -hmm. The retailer wants to be on the main road where the demographic fits the profile of the product they're selling. So that's why retail real estate ends up being the real estate that has the most value because the tenant's willing to pay the highest Rent. So out of all the, the sectors that are out there in real estate, being commercial, residential, you, retail is the best to, to, to be involved in. Well, it's the highest return mm-hmm. for the money spent. Um, it requires a certain expertise. You don't one morning wake up and say, I'm going to be a retail developer, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden know the people to talk to at the right tenant. Mm-hmm. So, so, so what does it take now? If I'm a novice coming into this, I wake up one day, I'm a football player, and I decide that I want to be a developer. How do I, what are the, the, the step number one that I have to do to becoming a, a retail developer? I, I really think that you need to go find somebody that's in the business and say, you know, I'm interested in going into this field. Um, I'd like to come to work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Day one coming in, and, you know, there's many aspects of the business. So it's like um, if you have a financial background, got an MBA and have a a background in finance, Mm -hmm. you know, you could go in the real estate business by going to work for a large pension plan in the acquisition department in real estate. Okay. If you had that background from school. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you wanted to be in the entrepreneurial part of the business with a private company or even a public company, a REIT, um, and you wanted to be out doing deals, in other words, making transactions, Mm -hmm. going to Abercrombie and The Gap and Chico's and Barnes & Noble, Mm -hmm. getting them to move into your centers, you need entrees to those businesses. Okay. You need to know the right people to talk to. Well, Frank, we have a caller calling in for a question. Kathy from Maryland, are you uh, are you on? Yes, I am. How are you doing today? 
I'm finding you. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say, uh, Eddie, I'm a great fan of yours. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, and um, I've been following your career, and I'm uh, very proud of the strides that you've made. But as a, um, I'm, my question is for female, what is the percentage of females breaking into uh, retail development, and um, what do I do to prepare myself to break into this business? Mm. Okay. Because is, um, is it a predominantly male market? Um, and the, and well, yes and no. Um, representing the landlords or the developers, I'd say it's a predominantly male market. So working for the companies like ours that are involved in finance, construction, uh, the development of land and shopping centers, uh, that's been a male-dominated market. On the other side of the street, meaning the tenants, which, again, in our business, uh, there's nothing going on if you don't have tenants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's many, many very highly qualified and professional women on the tenant side of it. Now, that might be, ma'am, because shopping is, a, is more a woman's business than a man's business. Right. And so the, the gaps... And the Abercrombies and the Chicos and Ann Taylors and uh, these people have a lot of women representation working for them, right? In their businesses. So well, that that's the so I'd say to you uh, that doesn't mean women can't crack into the business. It just means if you're looking to get into the business, the side of the business that has been uh, um, that women have been. Uh, more easily uh, accepted and upwardly mobile in has been on the tenant side, not the landlord side. Is my observation. Okay, well that's a, yeah. Be, because as a professional and independent woman, I'm the market uh, for more women to branch out into such a uh, uh, area. Would it be um, to their benefit to become the developer versus the mm, tenant? Good question. I don't. I don't know that there's a difference. Um, I think that it's a high-paying industry, ma'am. Mm -hmm. In general, um, I think. Let, let's take a company uh, like the Gap that owns the Gap, uh, Gap Kids, Gap Baby, Old Navy, um, um, uh, Banana Republic. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, probably a ten billion dollar company. Most of the people at that company, at the corporation level, in the buying area. Many of them would be women. Probably 60-70% would be women that are in the, the merchandising area. You know, they'll have a jean buyer. They'll have a, 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 a top buyer. They'll have coat buyers, whatever. Okay, so the merchants are mostly women. Mm -hmm. Many of the real estate people, therefore, also become women because they're within the company culture. It's a culture that is a one that has been very open to female uh, executives that want to get ahead. And it's a high-paying business. Okay. On the other side of it, the developer side of it, um, it it's more financially oriented. It, it has to do with development, construction. Construction and development are different, yet they're completely interrelated because when you develop something, it, there has to be the building component as part of the development. Right. Building component right. is the, the building component is a very male-dominated business. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, the financial area. What we're finding is the people that get out of the, the, the finance schools and the MBA programs, right. the, male, the males tend to go to the uh, development end of it, the corporations that are, are doing that, and the females tend to go uh, in another direction with their financial background, but not so much into real estate. Right. Now, mm -hmm. 
the area of real estate that's the most open to women over the years has been residential real estate. And the converse is true uh, in that. So if you look at residential real estate, the people selling houses uh, that you can make a big living at, that's probably 80 90% women. Right, yeah, and, and, I, and that's a true statement. I agree with you, but um, development, uh, um, real estate on such a high scale is what you're uh, discussing today, what you and Eddie are discussing today. Mm-hmm. That's a market that definitely needs to be tapped into by the uh by females, and uh, I was just trying to get a um, a better uh, understanding and a sense of uh, where I needed to go because I agree with you. We tend to go to more of the residential, but there are a lot. There's a lot out there for all of us, and I, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, male bashing, but I just wanted <laughs> to make sure that I was on the right track, and I wanted to get it from the best. So I appreciate well, you and Eddie uh, providing that information to me. Thank you, sir. Sure, I think. Yeah, the clear part, Kathy, is you just got to go do it. Exactly, because, and I agree with you 100%. Just step yeah, but, out there. Yeah, you just got to get out there because there's no pre-disposal uh, 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 in people's minds, predisposition in people's minds that say, I, I can't hire a woman for this job. It's, it's the overwhelming amount of applicants. Right. The development size jobs are men, and uh-huh. the overwhelming amount of applicants for, for the jobs at the corporations seem to be women. And I can't right. tell you why that is. Um, yeah. But, but, the, but at the, the industry itself, I don't think, has taken any steps to rectify that because we're not short on applicants. Mm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Thank you for calling in. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Mm, bye-bye. Well, Frank, that, that is interesting. You know, I, I, at this conference, ironically, you know, we're at the ICSC here in Las Vegas. Yes. There, there yeah. are a lot of women walking around here. Well, but understand, so many of them are the tenant reps. Mm-hmm. They're representing tenants for the most part, a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Because, because remember, there's developers here, but there's retailers here. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we're about to take a, a break in a minute, Frank, and when we come back, kind of take us through... Uh, the typical day here at ICSE and what goes on behind closed doors and exactly what we're here for and what we're here to do. Um, this is my second time coming here, and it is an absolute zoo. Uh, so much going on, yeah. so many deals are being done, and if you're not really linked in, you can kind of get lost in the sauce. So well, I think it's said, a unique, yeah, okay, we'll talk minute. about that. No, that's okay. We'll be back in a minute and talk some more real estate and some more life with Frank Cash. We'll be right back. Okay. VoiceAmerica.com, your news talk information radio network. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. 
Someone once said, what you don't know won't hurt you. Since our people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, that couldn't be further from the truth. Inside Diversity, the power of intelligence, is committed to providing an electronic venue for practical education and thought-provoking dialogue about diversity initiatives and the implications for the communities where we live and work. On air every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice American Network, Inside Diversity is a voice to the community. This show embarks on a journey to confront the lack of knowledge by collaborating with a diverse group of experts to share insights and intelligent solutions to workplace issues with a focus on cultural competence and challenges facing women. Join hosts Carmen M. Carter every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice American Network for Inside Diversity, the Power of Intelligence, and go where few people dare to explore and learn the real deal like never before. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. And we are back Coming to you live from Sin City, Las Vegas at the ICSC Convention. And I'm here with Frank Cass, Chairman of Continental Real Estate Company out of Columbus, Ohio. He is a great entrepreneur and uh, real estate guru. And we are getting some insight about him in the game of uh, real estate. So, Frank, please tell us what ICSC is all about and just what you can gain from, from coming to this convention. Pleasure. Um First of all, you said earlier the convention is kind of a zoo, uh, which it is, and you and I are both here, right. um, so we we uh, we understand that. Um, this is probably my twentieth year here, mm-hmm. and and uh, um, Las Vegas has been the home of the convention for that period of time. Um, when they finish up here on on Wednesday, mm-hmm. um, you know they'll clean everything up and start the next convention next week. Yeah. Um, the difference between what's happening at the International Shopping Center Convention and most of the other conventions and shows that are here is is really unique and, and pretty simple to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not showing um, telecommunications equipment, and we're not showing uh, uh, high tech yeah. uh, uh, and computers that people come in uh, and and see what they like, and 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 we're not. This isn't a car show. Right. Um, that that you're walking around and looking at all the new models of yeah, because you see a lot of models, you see a lot of uh, video yeah. of projects it, going up. I mean, it's like uh, you know the, 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 the pony, the dog and show pony show, whatever that you yeah. see going on. A whole bunch of bells and whistles. Yeah, this, this what this is. This is a a convention mm-hmm. where appointments are made, ninety percent of them before you ever get out here. Right. You make them Monday. Tuesday and Wednesday morning, usually on the half hour. Um, and the retailers typically go from exhibitor to exhibitor, meaning booth to booth. I think we have, uh, you've been in our booth, I think there's seven conference rooms here mm-hmm. and, uh, enclosed and like three conference areas out front. So like there's ten meeting sections that our leasing people have set up appointments depending on the type of shopping center that they're leasing. So what happens at ICSC? is real simple. You initiate transactions here, meaning this is where we would present 
um, a shopping center in, in, in Oakland, California, Brentwood, part of Oakland, California, to P.F. Chang mm-hmm. to see if they wanted to put one of their stores there. This is where we'd present the Barnes & Noble, a new center that we're doing in Hendersonville, uh, Tennessee, not far from where, where you live, okay? Right. So, A, it can be initial meetings where we initiate the contact with the tenant. Secondly, it can be meetings where, uh, typically they are, where there's ongoing conversation. So, for instance, we probably have a dozen shopping centers that are in some stage of development, some almost finished with a few boxes or out parcels to lease, some just starting, some right in the middle, okay? And, you know, it would not be atypical for the representative of, of Chico's, a fine women's clothing chain, to come in here and be talking to us about Medford, Connecticut, Cranberry, Pennsylvania, right. Hendersonville, Tennessee, Houston, Texas, and Oakland, California, all in the same meeting that had been set up in March when they knew that the, the real estate person at Chico's uh, knew he could get mm-hmm. together with our two or three leasing people leasing those sites. So, so how do you initially get involved? How do you get invited to ICSE? Is it something you do online? Well, the, the developers are, are members of ICSE. Uh-huh. And, and as a member of ICSE, you have all the publications, all the opportunities to come to the different conventions. This is the largest annual convention, but there's a semi-annual one in New York, uh-huh. the first week of December, every year at the Hilton in New York. Mm-hmm. It's maybe a quarter of the size of this one. Then there's regional ones, and there's city ones. So our people go to Chicago for the Midwest region. We'll go to L.A. for the West Coast region. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll do that. And then, you know, there's, there's, there's local ones in Columbus and Pittsburgh and, and, and wherever you have shopping centers that you might be building that you attend those as well. So the, 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 the ICSC organization is the most organized and prepared. They have all kind of publications, all kind of information over the Internet and, and, and people that you talk to to arrange for your, your exhibition space. Like this booth we've had for several years. Um, our, our staff comes here three days early and sets the whole booth up for all of our people. Mm-hmm. But the preparation for ICSC takes two months. You know, wow. we must have, you know, 2,000 brochures representing our dozen projects. We have, you know, on, in each office there's boards, color boards showing the available space within the centers mm-hmm. and talking about the demographic in the center, uh, where more information about the center is available, traffic counts, um, you know, maps showing the center in relation to the rest of the centers in the city. All this information is available in our booth and every booth that you come in here. Some of the booths, like the two biggest developers, Simon and, and, and General Growth, Mm-hmm. The, those booths are, uh, you know, thirty thousand square feet. Yeah, no, we see, we see them. I mean, they're huge. You know, li- literally, you yeah. know, ours is probably three thousand square feet. I mean, we're a much smaller boutique developer, um, and and so. But the beauty of this is, so people come here to initiate projects. They come here to further projects. They come here to finish projects. Right. And they come here to kill projects. Right, so basically this is where the magic happens. So if you're a player of all players, this is where you want to be, right? Can't, you cannot, if you're, the, if you're a top retailer or think you are or a developer, you have to be here. I would say that 75 to 80% of the business you do in a year is either initiated, furthered, or finished at this convention. Yeah, and there's thousands of people here too. So how do you get Probably 30,000. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. But uh, among the 30,000, a lot of them are here trying to hustle as well, and they are just trying to get on. They're beginners too. So how do you um, decipher from all that, like guys that are that are true legitimate developers and that are here for business versus guys that are here just trying to create business for the first time? Well, to start with, if you're a true developer that's been doing this for a while, you understand the lay of the land, and you spend the money on a booth. Okay, this this particular convention for us probably cost us a hundred thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars between booth rental, furniture rental, production of the the collateral literature, and and uh, bringing the people out here, putting them up at, at the hotels, um, transportation, yeah. all of the above. We'll probably spend a hundred thousand dollars on this effort, which means somebody like Simon that will be ten times bigger than us will be spending a million dollars for these two and a half days for the preparation for the two and a half days. Right. So the the difference between the haves and the have-nots is apparent when you walk around and see the booths. Now, if you're new in the business or want to get in the business, you sign up with ICSC, you cost you a couple hundred dollars to join, you end up having a pass ready for you when you get here, or they send one to you, and that gives you the entree to the leasing mall, mm-hmm. and that's what this is called. And so the big difference between us and the car show or, or the electronics convention is this is called the leasing mall mall mm-hmm. and it's called the leasing mall for exactly the right reason so it's where people come sections of, to, of, of current yeah. business exactly exactly so yeah. so that's how it is and so if you're first here and you get here you don't have a home but you'll everybody knows somebody so you know we have some people that come here and hang out in our booth a little bit they don't have a booth yet but they're trying to get started you know and and we work with them you know, mm-hmm. and so do others. And so that it's it's like anything else, Eddie. There's a cost of entry. It's like when you showed up as a freshman, you got <laughs> off the airplane at Ohio State. That's right. <laughs> Frank, you feel there? Yeah, I'm here. You were saying I was a freshman at Ohio State, a good-looking freshman, by the way. Yeah, there you were. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was a help. You know, the fact that you were six three two thirty when you got off the airplane, you know, gave you some relatively instant acceptance when you showed up for the first day of practice. You yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no you know? difference. There's so, no difference. so I'll tell you how you have to look at it. Right. You mean you you coming in as a as a as a ballyhooed freshman that everybody had heard about. You were Simon, okay? Mm-hmm. And the walk-on kicker from Westerville is 5'11", 185 pounds, who was hoping to become third kicker or second kicker on the team. Mm-hmm. He was the guy coming to his first ICS <laughs> that never developed Italy. <laughs> right. So, so what is it like when you see, like, there are some athletes here, Keyshawn Johnson, myself, Emmett Smith. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Jackson. So, Jimmy so Jackson. what do you think about when you see or the average developer see athletes coming into your world? Is it more of like, well, this is kind of a joke, or is he just a front guy lending his name? How serious is he about the business? What goes through your mind when we come walking through the door? Well, you're good-looking and in shape. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> and so is Jimmy Jack, some of the other guys. Exactly. I think that what particularly it's kind of enlightening, you know, mm-hmm because there's still a certain amount of celebrity involved with it, so everybody likes that. But more importantly, as an older guy, and, and I mean, you and I are friends, so you know I'm 30 years older than you are. I look at, at and, and, you know, we look at the young people getting out of sports that are interested in getting in a profession, like real estate. We look at that very, very positive. You know, in the end, how fast you ran 
um, and how big you are isn't going to mean you will be successful in our business mm-hmm. any more than, than a guy like myself that's 5'8", 165 would be successful in Europe. But it's the work ethic. But it's the work ethic, right. exactly. And so the, you, the, there's certain things you bring to the table. So if you were on our team um, and, and, you know, we'd have you in a selling area because mm-hmm. you can open doors for people, okay? And again, entrepreneurial end of our industry is all about making the sale. Mm-hmm. It's making the sale to the landowner to sell you the good piece of land instead of the other guy. It's mm-hmm. making the sale to the large tenants so that they'd rather deal with you and look at your location than the other guy. Right. So, so and, the, the and, and you mentioned that, you know, Roger Starbuck, yep. one of the, the, he's, he's worldwide. You know, we all know his resume as far as, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback played for the Dallas Cowboys, went to the Navy Academy, and he was, uh, you know, a great professional athlete, but now he's even a, a greater uh, businessman. And well, the models uh, he's put forth, I mean, that's what we as athletes emulate and look to in terms of uh, how you transition out of football into the business world. Well, he'd be the model for all of you. Yeah. Okay. Um, by coincidence, um, he was getting out of football and into real estate at the same time I was getting out of office furniture wow. and into real estate. And um, our office furniture company at the time was looking for a national name to use for a campaign we called Go for Great mm. Continental. So we contacted uh, Roger in the late 1970s, and he came up to Columbus, and he cut a series of ads for us um, called the go, go for Great ads, where, mm. you, know, it wasn't, you know, in other words, uh, there we go. Okay. That's okay, finish your thought. Uh, it wasn't good enough for us just to be good. We wanted to be great, and we thought he emulated that. So he and I go way back, and we still see each other at ITSD every year. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll tell you about that when we get back. Yeah, exactly. We're going to talk a little bit more with Frank Cass, and we have coming up for Frank a little surprise, the Fabulous Five Questions in our next segment in a minute, y'all. The Internet's premier talk radio station, voiceamerica.com. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. 
Everything you want to be, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing their goals has to be difficult, but guess what? It isn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that's what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for Success Made Simple. You'll be given the principles to success as written in her latest book, The Seven Secrets to Create Your Fate. Listen live to Success Made Simple, where you will find out how to set your goals, how to determine the steps needed to reach them, and overcome obstacles like fear and procrastination along the way. That's Success Made Simple every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific with Charmin Lane, right here on the Voice America channel. Voice America. You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. Yes, and we're back to Radio by George for our final segment, and one that I, I seem to really enjoy, and a few of our guests seem to enjoy in our short time on the air. <laughs> and, uh, Frank, I'm going to ask you my fabulous five questions. And uh, don't be scared when you answer them, okay? I know you're not scared of too many things, but some uh, people are scared of these questions. Okay. Are you, are you ready for them? Let them go. All right. <clears throat> in order of importance... How would you rank love, spirituality, freedom, and happiness? Love, spirituality, freedom, freedom and happiness. Happiness. Um, well, I'll probably shock you on this one, but I'll go with freedom mm. first. Um, so I, am I supposed to rank all four now or just pick my first one? You can pick your first one however you want to ask the question. Okay, well, well, I pick freedom first. We all take it for granted, but you know, we, this country, um, and and uh, um, therefore we take freedom for granted because we have. It. But all these things that we're doing, that we're here at this shopping center convention, it's all commerce, and all commerce is based on free enterprise, and free enterprise is based on freedom, and and uh, all the things we do, the radio show you're doing, and and and. Uh, uh, the, the, the sports we play and the things we watch when we want to watch them, for the most part uncensored. It's all part of freedom. So I, we take it for granted, but to me, um, you know, I wouldn't have functioned real well in, a, in any society that didn't have this kind of freedom. So that's first for me. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, love, um, spirituality, and happiness. Yeah. Um, happiness would be second for me. i got to like what I'm doing. Um, when I like what I'm doing, um, I, I can uh, um, relate my happiness to making everyone around me uh, comfortable, happy, and, 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 and dealing with, with their wellness. Um, you know, if you're ill and not happy yourself, it's pretty tough to, uh, uh, to function and pass on good feelings and good thoughts to those around you and to create what I've tried to create over the years. Um, after that, I'd go with spirituality. Um, that's very different for for uh, uh, for everybody. 
um, uh, I'm, I'm from the school of God is within you. So uh, I think spirituality is very important, but it comes out in doing the right thing, in, in the belief in family and friends, um, and, and uh, um, I think that, that that, for me, has always been a big part of my life. I'm always uh, uh, involved with others and, and working with others and helping others, and, and, and uh, I feel that I further myself when I help others further themselves. Um, and, and that to me is, is, is pretty spiritual thinking. That I, I don't want that to be confused with thinking in terms of that I'm sitting in a church or a temple or a place of worship all that often. I do that, you know, uh, but, but, but uh, uh, that's something that's very private. I don't think that should be confused with spirituality in my mind. Um, and, and last of those would, would, be, would be love. Um, certainly love of family and friends, um, all of which um, can be uh, more meaningful and, 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 and have, you know, greater impact on everyone um, in a free society um, where, where, you know, happiness is part of your life uh, and you feel blessed to be part of other people's lives and do for them. So love then comes, comes naturally, whether it's love of your family, which is obvious, or love of your uh, uh, friends. Um, I'm not from the school that blood is thicker than water, so, so uh, uh, I try to. I try to. My love is fairly even out there, um, and it's it's deserved by who I love, and and hopefully it's reciprocated. Okay. If you were to die and come back as a person or thing, what do you think it would be? Um. You know, I'm I'm not a. I don't think in my 64 years, Eddie, I've given one minute's thought to an afterlife. So that's kind of a tough one for me, but maybe that's my answer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd uh, probably like to just do it again. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've, been, I've been pretty satisfied. You know, the funny thing is, my dad died when I was seven. I was an only child. Brought myself up for all practical purposes because my mother went to work every day in a family, little family office supply business. I've been independent. That that formed me more than anything else. Second grade, riding my bike home and putting my own key in the door as, as a second grader. You know, you think in terms of that today, no one would allow that in today's society, you know? Uh, uh, that, that, and, uh, uh, you know, I've been pretty satisfied with my results. You know, I'm not the most successful guy out there. I'm not the least successful. But I'll tell you what, I'm right in there with the happiest of all time. And, you know, if there's an afterlife, I'd just as soon come back and do this one again. I like the people I like this time around, and I think I'd like them again the next time. Okay. I don't we know got, if that's a good answer or not, Eddie. we got about Go four ahead. minutes, so we close. So, okay. You know, i got two more questions, three more questions to ask you. What is your motto? Do the right thing. Okay. You know, i got a million mottos. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm a guy, i got, but but my my real thing, if, you, if, if, if somebody that knows me, it's do the right thing. I mean, it's like I turn off a light when I leave the room. I take the Coke can to the recycling after I wash it out. I don't take shortcuts. Okay? Okay. I think that the difference between the right thing and the wrong thing are always apparent every single time. How you deal with people, you know, uh, um, I believe in win-win deals. Um, it just, it just it, the, the right is obvious, wrong is obvious. So my, my motto, my thing is do the right thing. You know, now in business I believe in don't beat the drums, get the cash. <laughs> you and I have talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, so I got a, a jillion mottos, you know, but, but uh, um, 
my, my uh, it's do the right thing. What is your most treasured possession? My most treasured possession. Um, that would be my family. You know, my immediate family. Okay. My wife, my kids, my grandkids, you know, my life. You know, just where I am right now. And you know, I'm 64, this, okay. I'm, I'm 64 this summer, and I wouldn't like to be 44. Crazy <laughs> as that sounds. And our final question. Yep. Who has inspired you as a mentor and why? Who's inspired me as a mentor? Um, I can't give you one. Um, when my dad died, there was a man who lived across the street from me. His name was John Schott. He was the math teacher at our high school. He had a son that was my age. He had a second grader who was my best friend. The son was not very good in mathematics. Um, so John Schott took all this time teaching me mathematics. My strong suit is my math background, my logic, which led to a finance background mm-hmm. um, and, and, a, and a logical, methodical, strategic mind because of his importance on math. So at a very early age, it would have been him, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, going forward, it had been, di- been different people that I met um, in doing business um, over the years. Um, Woody Hayes was an a, a idol of mine, mm-hmm. you know. Um, he coached before you at the university. I wasn't crazy about his coaching, but I was crazy <laughs> about the way he, just, just the way he comported himself as it related to, to what was important in life and how he cared about young people. Uh, that was important to me. Um, businessman that actually called me while I was on the phone with you today. I bought a steel plant from him that he had torn down, two miles of steel of, of river frontage in Pittsburgh named Ray Park. Mm-hmm. He's 80 years old, one of the great business guys I ever met. Just wonderful guy. Well, Frank, you are off the hot seat, man. And I want to thank you for spending time with me today and giving us a brief history on you, about you, and about the ICFC and your, your business. And um, I think we'll have you come on again next time, man, and we'll talk some more real estate about life and also about sports. You, you know you love sports, so we'll get into that in the next segment. So for those of you out there, come back, same time, same place next week. I'm Eddie George, and I'm out. Peace. We hope you have enjoyed this week's episode of Radio by George. If you have a question or comment for Eddie and just can't wait until next Monday, you can email him at info at radiobygeorge.com. Selected emails will be read on the air so your voice can be heard worldwide. Be sure to listen live every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. See you next week.